Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, Ace Creative's owner and CEO, Adam Constantine, joins Housing Wire digital media manager, Alcina Lloyd, to discuss Martin Luther King Jr.'s impact on housing equality. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Good morning, everyone. We're here again for another Housing Wire's Monday morning cup of coffee. It's a segment of Housing Wire's daily podcast that examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the Housing Wire newsroom. My name is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm Housing Wire's digital producer. Today, I'll be filling in for Housing Wire's HW, uh, HW Plus managing editor, Brennan Ath. On this special day, I'm joined with Adam Constantine, the owner and CEO of Ace Creatives and former digital content strategist for Movement Mortgage. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Thank you for having me. Uh, for those of you that are looking at the visuals, you will see the illustrious Homewood Suites microwave back here. <laughs> I am traveling, but still uh, super excited to be here um, and to talk through some things today. Uh, we're so excited to have you here. Um, today, listeners, Adam will be celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day with us and discussing equality in housing. But before we dive in, Adam, I want to know, what does this day mean to you? Yeah, um, it's funny. When I uh, looked at that question earlier, Um, I hadn't thought about it in a while, but this day actually has a lot of intentionality for me and not necessarily the way that most people would think. Um, I grew up in private school, very small private schools. Um, And I'll just, we'll just say to further give the hints that where the story is going, very small private schools in the South. And uh, I was always like a perfect attendance kid. Uh, would always be there, never would miss. But every year, my parents uh, would write a note saying, it is Martin Luther King Day. My children will not be in school and you will not mark them absent. 
um, because our schools did not have that as a holiday. So it already gave me some like focused importance on the day on what this means and why. And, you know, like, do I think schools did anything malicious? No, but it shows the priorities and uh, the importance of the day, depending on your background and how you live. You know, like I come from a black household to black parents that have been together for 34 years. Um, so, you know, like those were discussions that we had. So um, there wasn't even necessarily anything we did, but it was important that my parents treated, you know, like Martin Luther King Jr.'s contribution to society at the level that we treat, uh, you know, like traditional Independence Day, that we treat a lot of the other holidays. So that's more what that means to me is the family aspect that it gave me to remind us of why it is important, uh, even when outside forces may deem it, uh, you know, like not as much of a focus. That's interesting. Um, kind of the same for me too. This day means a lot because it reminds me of all the strides that we've taken towards um, equality. And that day has been important for our family as well. And as we talk about his legacy and the strides King took towards both political and social equality, I want to talk about something not a lot of people mention when they discuss his legacy. Uh, towards the end of his life, before he was tragically murdered in 1968, King was actually an adamant supporter of fair housing in Chicago. Not a lot of people know this. Um, in fact, on July 19th, 19th 1966, King held a rally of 30,000 people who came to hear him speak about the city's housing crisis. Uh, before the rally was over, he led the group to City Hall, where he taped his demands to the door. Uh, now, this is just one of the many examples of King's determination for equality. And as we talk about him, I can't help but to think about some of the conversations the housing industry has been having about housing equality. Um, as you know, in March of 2020, when both the COVID-19 pandemic and Black Lives Matter became a prominent topic and it dominated news headlines nationwide, the housing industry began to have serious conversations about how race and home ownership intertwined. Um, Adam, what were some of the questions, excuse me, not the questions, some of the conversations you were having during that time last year or even this year about housing equality? I think a lot of times when, when it comes to that, we forget that equality is tactical. Like equality is both intentional and tactical. And it reminds me, but bear with me here because this is going to go off, but, I, but I'm going to bring it back. Okay, I'll, I'll bring it back. Um, <laughs> For all of my office fans out there, um, there's a scene in which Michael Scott comes out of his office and he goes, I declare bankruptcy, <laughs> right? And then he stops and then Oscar's like, hey, you know you can't just say bankruptcy. And it's like, well, no, I didn't. I declared it. And I think a lot of times we treat equality that way. We're like, hey, I deem you equal. And it's like, I mean, cool, I appreciate the sentiment, but there were a lot of things tactically and intentionally done that would need to then be intentionally reversed. And that's one of the things that, that I explored this year especially. Um, one, this year is a perfect, was a, a perfect storm in, in the sense of shining light on the true inequalities of society, because especially in March, everyone was home. So when the murder of George Floyd took place, everyone was watching. Nobody could say they were too busy doing anything else because it was right there in front of you. And it brought up a lot of discussions about inequality still to this day. Yes, that conversation started with police brutality, but then when you look 
at how in, uh, housing inequality came about, it is ingrained in our history. And when I say our history, I do mean American history, right? For example, um, back in the 30s, after the Great Depression, America needed a massive stimulus package, much like we have today, right? FDR, the New Deal, comes out to stimulate the economy. That is it. Yet the language in that intentionally withheld money from African-American households, not as a byproduct, but it was done with intentionality. Then homes were allowed to be purchased, right? And by the way, it's not like conspiracy, angry black man type conversation. Please check me. Look up all this stuff. Like bring them receipts, sis, okay? Like, like what, <laughs> whatever, whatever you need. Like this is actual history. So, you know, like we, you couldn't buy homes or when black American families did buy homes, those neighborhoods were intentionally defunded through um, redlining practices. And again, this is like, please look that up. So for 30, 40 years, we have had an intentional act of financial aggression toward a sect of the American people. So if you've had an intentionality there, well then there's not going to be room to continue to grow. And that was what Dr. King noticed. That was, that was, that these are things that, these are the less sexy things. We like to think equality is emotional, but it's not. Like equality, yes, has some emotional starts, but then it bleeds in very, very tactically. And for those, and there are studies that have done, again, check me on this. There are studies that have done where neighborhoods that were intentionally defunded, those households have lost out on about $212,000. Now you say, well, why? Well, it's not, you know, because a lot of times I think we say this happened to people of color, right? We say that sentence a lot, but that's actually an incomplete sentence. It happened to people of color because of their color. Because a lot of times it's, oh, it happened to people of color because they're dumb, because they're lazy, because they're so no, no, no. It happened because of the color of their skin, tactical financial aggression was held against them. So, and I know we'll talk about this in a bit, there are going to be ways of intentionality that we have to do to fuel that growth to bring it back even. So um, I know I kind of went around there, but I think that's why we shouldn't be shocked that somebody like Dr. King stood up for housing inequality. You know, that's 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 part of the dream. <laughs> part, part of the dream, that, that great emotional speech, and that's, again, why we love the speech, and I love the speech, is because it's this emotional plea, but it has very tactical roots that need to be addressed, and I think as a, a society, we either lack the insight or the willingness to do so. It's interesting that you bring that up. That is a part of the dream. And one of the prominent conversations that began last year and that still endures into 2021 is the rate of minority home ownership. A 2020 study from the Census Bureau claims that uh, that the 30.1 percentage point gap between black and white home ownership rates in the United States is now wider than it was when race-based discrimination was legal for home buyers. That being said, the incoming Biden administration has made plans to improve racial equality through its domestic uh, policy agenda. Do you think Biden's announced initiatives like his 15,000 first time home buyer tax credit is likely to make serious change and 
uh, do some of the things that you're talking about. Okay, so I'm going to say this, but I don't want this to be a Debbie Downer, okay? All right. <laughs> if somebody steals 500 bucks from you, then they give you five. It's not enough, but I'm going to take it. Does that make sense? That's basically what <laughs> the initiatives are. Like, yes, it's an appreciative tax credit. And like, this is part of a road to progress. Progress politically is always going to be in the muck and the mire. It will never be cut and dry. But let's go back to put it in perspective what we talked about, right? Back in the 30s, especially, I think homes were probably maybe even in the 50s, homes were around $9,000, $10,000, which is about $90,000 to $100,000 in today's money, right? For $90,000, $100,000, like most people can buy homes, right? Not everyone, but most people can buy homes with that money. Well, now, as we know, the housing market is much more expensive. But people that purchase homes in the 30s and 40s have that $212,000 worth of wealth in their families to put towards whatever they want. So we essentially, let's, let's, let's take an analogy of a train, right? We say, all aboard, but then we say, nope, not you. So you're just sitting there. I get on board, then the train starts moving. Then we're like, all right, now you can come. Um, the, the, the train's moving. I now have to run, hop, skip, jump. Like, I don't know if I have my good shoes on. You know, like there's lots of these <laughs> other variables that have come in that now don't make it the same. So the reason why the gap is, is wider is because it's much more difficult to purchase a home now than it was back then. And the reason why it wasn't done back then was because of the intentionality of this financial aggression towards persons of color, Black people especially. And I don't say this to be a, a, a victim of any kind, to whine and complain. These are just facts. Like, this is documentary facts, okay? Like, that's, that's what I like to call them. Um, <laughs> it's not saying that people should wait around. You know, it's not saying that people... Uh, but if we are talking about righting the wrongs that have happened, then... What you do is you look at the you look at the problem. You say, okay, persons A were given everything with no hindrances or boundaries. Persons B were not. We now see persons A up here, persons B are down here. We now see that this was an intentional wrong that was done. In any math problem, in any English essay, whatever, whatever, the solution is feed into um, persons B to help them grow and get back to what was rightfully theirs or what was intentionally taken away from. Right. So if we want to do that, then those incentives, and this is why, now some of y'all going like, this, this is going to be a left turn, but this is why the conversation of tactical reparations makes sense. Because you start seeing the intentionality of finances taken away from certain neighborhoods. That's well documented. This isn't conspiracy. Then you say, okay, well, in order to counteract that, you give that money back. Because again, that's, that's what it is. It's returning what was stolen. It's not giving money. It's returning what was stolen. So um, I know that's a lot. That's not a lot that's usually talked about with this to like succinctly answer that question. It's, will it make serious change? No, it will not. 
but it is a step in the right direction. And sometimes a step leads to a crawl, leads to a walk, leads to a run. I see what you're saying. And as we wrap today, and as we talk about intentionality, I want to ask if you think personally, if there's anything the industry can do to keep MLK's dream alive of fair housing or anything they can do to make his initiatives more prominent in today, what can we do to ensure housing equality for all? I think really focusing on the numbers. I think a lot of times people don't understand the intentionality that has happened with holding wealth from certain American families. So it's putting that out there, showing that, hey, look, this is no one's fault today, but it is the fault um, back there. And it's, it's something that needs to continue to be addressed because a lot of times the friction that we have today is when we do focus on those groups, right? We do, anytime you hear uh, like, um, uh, let's say like a, a POC initiative, you hear friction from others. Well, what about us? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? That's because it's delivered without the context of, yes, this is more about returning. So it's going to be about continuing to build wealth in those neighborhoods, in those communities that were intentionally defunded. Um, and that is by just tactically putting out the numbers and uh, continue to move forward that. Yeah, I see this year we're probably going to see more initiatives come uh, our way for housing quality or anything that can get us on the same page, basically. Um, listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to another live recording of Monday Morning Cup of Coffee. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you back here next Monday. Until then, make sure to check out Housing Wires Daily. It's your one-stop shop for, uh, one-stop shop for all of your housing news needs. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.